Ephesians chapter 4 where we'll be tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. My title, the Lord gave me this title Friday. And uh, Brother Joe, I don't know if y'all can see this or not. But my title is Keep Calm and Love One Another. For a lot of us, it's hard for us to keep calm and love somebody. Especially when they've done us wrong. Especially when we don't agree with how they believe. Especially when uh, uh, they do something uh, toward us. Or they say the wrong thing to us. Or they, te they spread gossip on us. It's hard to keep calm, ain't it? Boy, it's hard to keep calm. Why? Because that flesh, that old nature, it wants to retaliate. It wants vengeance. But God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. He told us, he said, if your uh, neighbor smites you on you, uh, right cheek, turn to him the other. Turn the other cheek. What was Jesus saying? He said, keep calm and love one another. That's what he's telling us. And so tonight, uh, and uh, as we progress through this chapter, uh, I want us to keep this theme in our mind. Keep calm and love one another. Now, I'll give you a little background. I didn't know this, but Brother Joe uh, told me, Brother Joe, you can maybe uh, help me on this. But um, was it in World War II? Uh, so back in World War II in England, right, they used this, some of the churches used this uh, logo and um, this saying, keep calm and carry on, uh, back during World War II. Uh, and so Brother Joe, he has uh, um, re-engineered, if you will, uh, the old saying uh, from long ago and uh, he, he gave us the uh, logo or the image uh, for that. So all through the sermon, uh, I want you to remember this saying, Keep calm and love one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, I will not read the entire chapter for the sake of time, but I am going to read the first six verses, and that's where we'll be at tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, if you will, stand with us, and uh, we'll uh, reverence the word of God. Said I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight as humble as we know how. Father, we thank you for this day, and Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Lord, I'm thankful today that if you delivered the Hebrew children from the fire, God, if the children of Israel walked over on dry ground uh, in the midst of the Red Sea, I'm thankful tonight that Jesus can take care of me. Father, I'm thankful tonight for that blessed promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us, but God, you'll go with us all the way, even until the end of the world. Father, I ask you tonight that you'd help us to love one another. God, may our hearts be cultivated in love. May we be rooted and grounded in love, as in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 teaches us. God, I pray that you'd help us to go through this book. God, may we learn more about you, and may our roots get deeper uh, in love, in the Word of God. Father, we love you. And we thank you for all that you do. God, hide me behind the cross tonight. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for standing with us. 
I don't recall how many Warren Wiersbe quotes I have in the sermon, but I do not know that I only have one uh, so far that I see. That I see. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said the first three chapters deal with doctrine, which is our riches in Christ, while the last three chapters explain duty, which is our, our responsibilities in Christ. The key word in this last half of the book is walk, while the key idea in the first half is wealth. In these last three chapters, Paul admonished us to walk in unity, purity, harmony, and victory. The better we understand uh, Bible doctrine, the easier it is to obey Bible duties. We are to guard, protect, and preserve this unity. To do this, we must understand four important facts. The grace of unity, the grounds of unity, the gifts for unity, and the growth of unity. So tonight, with the Lord being our helper, we're going to talk about the first two uh, the grace of unity and the grounds of unity. Tonight in uh, chapter one, uh, 4, verse 1, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. So he's making known to them that he also, uh, uh, he's reminding them, even in this chapter, he starts this chapter many uh, times, just as he did in uh, uh, other times. But in chapter 3, he said, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, in verse 1. Now he's saying in verse 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, so that word therefore means that we still have to keep in mind what he said to us in chapter 3. So therefore, if you're writing a sentence, if you're writing a paper, and you are, are in a train of thought, and you put a, 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 a semicolon, and then you put the word therefore after it, it means you're hanging on to what you've already said, but now you're going to explain it a little further. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is doing is that he is explaining what he told us in chapter 3. Back in chapter 3, in verse uh, 17, he said that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So he is keeping that same thought process. He is keeping that same uh, notion, if you will. But in chapter 1, uh, 2, and 3 of the book of Ephesians, we find that he is teaching us Bible doctrine. He is teaching us about the depravity of man and about how... That sin separated us from a holy God. And how that Christ came in chapter 2 and he bridged that gap. He brought a reconciliation from the depravity of man unto that holy God. So that we as sinners, as Gentiles, as Jews, as whatever nationality you are. You too can go into the holiest of holies. Uh, because Christ tore down that middle wall partition. Allowing access unto this grace by faith that Romans 5 and 2 says. And so tonight, uh, we are looking at not only the Bible doctrine of the first three chapters, but we are looking tonight uh, at the duties, <clears throat> excuse me, the duties or our responsibilities that we have as children of God. Some very fundamental teaching, uh, if you will. But we, as children of God, has some responsibilities, don't we? Just as your body has responsibilities, your hands have has responsibilities. That's what feeds you. Unless uh, you, I mean, I, I use silverware, so you. I hope you use silverware. My wife or my uh, daughter. I about said my wife. Uh, she uses silverware too. But um, my daughter, she'll just take handfuls of, of food and just feed her face. But if you think about it, we use our hands to feed ourselves, and we feed ourselves so that our bodies can grow. 
and so that we can get nutrients, right? So the same way in the body of Christ, we are to use our hands to feed ourselves by the Word of God, that we might grow thereby, that we might grow in the Word of God. But while we are in the spirit, or while we are in the body of Christ, there's a few things that Paul is teaching us here uh, that is some of the fundamental uh, fundamental responsibilities of this walk. Now he said, uh, and I told you this morning as I read Psalms one, Psalms one one says, "Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly." nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, Ephesians, the writer says in uh, chapter 1 and 2, that we are seated together in Christ in heavenly places. So he is affirming to us our uh, uh, position in Christ, and that position is seated in heavenly places. In chapter 3, we find uh, how we are to... um, Abide in the body of Christ, and that is being grounded in love. And now in chapter 4, we're going to get there. I don't know if we will tonight, um, but he's talking about walking uh, and how we are to walk. Um, And so in chapter 6, when we get there, he will tell us how to stand, and that's what I told you this morning. Uh, But first, I want us to look at this word. He said uh, in uh, verse number 3, let me back up with uh, verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Boy, that is a challenge, ain't it? What does the word endeavoring mean? Well, I thought I had a pretty good idea until I read it. Uh, read the definition in the Greek. Uh, I've got a Strong's Concordance in the back, and the Greek word is pedazo, and it means to use speed. To make effort, be prompt, do give diligence, and be diligent moving forward. Labor and study. My, oh my, did the Lord convict me of that. He said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Meaning we are every day challenged to make an effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit. Now that Spirit is capitalized. So that is referencing the Holy Spirit of God. The third part of the Godhead Trinity. We are to uh, fight for. We are to make diligence that we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I believe that's not only within ourselves, but that refers to the entire body of Christ. Not only the entire body of the Christ... But I believe that's in how we treat other people, especially unbelievers. We are not to uh, show ourselves. I've been known to do that a time or two, show myself uh, and and open my foot and insert my size 14 boot into my mouth. uh, And and it's got me into trouble and I've had to go back and repent. But listen, friend, uh, Jesus and the Apostle Paul here is teaching us that there is such a thing in unity. And that there is such a thing in peace. And that we can conduct ourselves in peace. The Lord gave me this, and, and this was not a Warren Wiersbe quote. This did come uh, from the Lord. And I told you this morning, I'm trying to write down my thoughts as the Lord speaks to me. Uh, so that I don't forget. But the Lord spoke to my heart Friday 
Uh, and I, as I was studying this, I th- and listen, I told you the Lord already convicted me of this. Uh, but he said, keeping unity in the body of Christ takes hard work. Because even though we are all in him and he lives inside of us by the Holy Ghost, our flesh still fights. Listen, just as the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, uh, kindness, and gentleness, and, uh, and the fruits of the Spirit, our flesh has the works of the flesh, and those works of the flesh is anger, malice, envy, strife. Amen? Galatians 5, read verses 20 and 21. And if you ain't convicted, read them again. And if you ain't convicted, read them again, then get to verse 22. Because verse 22 will teach us how we are to have unity in the Spirit. What's that? What is unity? Unity is oneness. There's no division. There, there is no uh, uh, left side and right side. There's no sheep and goats. There's no uh, wheat and tares. It's all became one. There's no Jew or Gentile, but they are one in Christ. There is no African American. There is no Chinese. There's, we don't separate ourselves by that because if you're blood-bought, if you're bought by the blood of Christ, then Christ has made us one in Him and there must be unity in the Spirit by the bond of peace. So if there's an African American church down the road, you know what? Bless God, we ought to go down there and worship with them. Because if they're in the church body of Christ, then we ought to get along. We ought to worship with them. It doesn't matter that their doctrines after the cross don't line up with ours. If they agree that Jesus Christ is the only way, that you still must repent, that you still must come by the way of the cross in order to go to heaven, bless God, I can worship with you. If you want to speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Don't mind me if I uh, don't participate in it. I'm just being honest tonight. If you want to, that's fine. But there, there is such a thing as unity in the Spirit. But not only does uh, keeping unity in the body of Christ take hard work, and this is where the Lord convicted me of, but the flesh still wages war within us, and if we are not intentional in living in the Spirit, then we are intentionally living in the flesh. Therefore, bringing division in the church. Not only bringing division in the church, but if we are not intentionally living in the Spirit and doing the things of the Spirit to endeavor, what I said that word meant was to make an effort to be prompt, to do, uh, give diligence, to be diligent. Not only uh, will we, uh, if we do not make an effort to find unity in the church, uh, but it will bring division in our marriage, in work, And wherever we might be, we know we should be unified by the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Meaning, in order to keep unity within marriage, it takes hard work. We get lazy, don't we? Husbands, we get lazy. We don't want to love our wives the way that we we have in the past. We just get lazy. We stop being intentional. We stop showing them things. We stop uh, uh, pursuing them. People say, well, it just happens. Well, it does happen. But there is a way that we can keep from it happening. And that is endeavoring. That is giving diligence to make an effort. To be intentional in our relationship with our spouses. Wives, 
Same for you. If we are not endeavoring for one another, if we are not making an effort for one another, then our relationship becomes divided, don't it? Then there's a distance. There's a void in our relationship. And we wonder, my, what happened to the person I fell in love with? And she's thinking, my, what in the world happened to the man I fell in love with? The man of my dreams. Brother Bob, I know that's what Betty's thinking of you. <laughs> and we sit back and we think, man, what has happened? Why... Why is there no unity in our marriage? And listen, that's what God ordained marriage for, was for unity. So that man and woman could leave their father and mother and the twain shall be one flesh. And what God has brought together, let no man put asunder because they are endeavoring to one another to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen, there's going to be a lot of times that you can have an argument. And if that argument prolongs, it will separate the unity amongst you and it will bring division in your house. It will bring tension in your house and it will be hard for you to be satisfied with one another and until you bring unity back in that place, there will not be the bond of peace. It won't happen. And don't think that overnight the problem's going to be fixed. Don't think that... And listen, I've had to learn the hard way and... And by God's grace, I'm still learning and I pray that I never stop because I want to be the best husband that I can be. I want to be a biblical husband. I want to know what the Word of God says about how to be a husband. I want to be the very best man of God, not behind this pulpit, but behind the closed doors at my house. I want to represent Christ well. I want to love my wife well. I want her to love me well. Because why? Because I want to endeavor to keep the bond of peace. I didn't know I was getting on that tonight. It's hard for me. Uh, and I think low of myself because I'm, I'm so young and I've only been married this coming December be five years. But I pray for wisdom every day because, listen, I'm young. God's called me to pastor. And with, with pastoring, that means there's a lot of responsibilities. I have to counsel married couples. I have to counsel newlyweds. I have to counsel this and then that one. And I need to know the, the wisdom. And so God, I feel like, is teaching me a lot of lessons early on because he wants me to be able to help somebody else. And listen, and I'm not getting into our personal life tonight, but listen, Cassie and I have... There's been times in our relationship that we have not always made an effort for each other. There's not always been a time that we were prompt with each other or that we gave diligence to one another or that we were diligent in loving one another. Why do you think in Ephesians 5, and I ain't there yet, but why do you think that Paul said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? For unity. That we might be one. That we might be one, that there might not be any division. And listen, I believe that the Apostle Paul said that so that we would endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace because when you love as Christ loves, then you pursue like Christ pursues. Amen? Amen. Christ is like... He's just... A pursuer. He, he is a pursuer of the heart. And we too, as husbands and wives, we must pursue each other's heart. Because honestly, we don't really know each other's hearts. 
I mean, we know how each other live, and we know things about each other, and, and we know to the best of our ability, we know uh, how, how each other conducts ourselves and, that, and our personality. But what is in our heart, a lot of times we do not know unless we are pursuing them. So if they are struggling, if they are going through a hard time, then we, in order to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, we need to ask questions, men. Honey, you doing okay? How's your spiritual life? How are you with Christ? Are you, are you walking close to Him? Are you, are you reading your Bible like you should? Are you praying like you should? Are you listening to, to the Lord like you should? Well, how are you doing emotionally? Is everything okay? Has there been any, any depression involved in your life? Is there anything that I need to know about that, that maybe I can work on that will help bring unity in our marriage? Man, we, we've got to be vulnerable. Man, that's the hardest thing for me to do. I'm sharing my heart with you tonight. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. It's hard for me to open myself up and just spill. And my wife says I'm an open book, but, and I am to other men. I, when I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through a hardship, I call on my mentor. I call on my preacher friend back home, and I'll talk to him. But listen, men, that's what we are to do with our wives. If we're struggling, if we're going through something, we need to pick up the phone and say, Honey, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad week. I'm having a bad month. There's something going on. Can you pray for me? Can we talk about it? And listen, I'm the world's worst at doing that. God help me. And that's why I told you the Lord convicted me of this. Because when I understood what that word endeavoring meant, I thought, My goodness, I've got a long way to go. I've got work to do. There's things I need to repent of. To use speed. To make effort. Do give diligence. Be diligent moving forward. To labor and study. Marriage takes labor. I'm not talking about labor in uh, childbirth, but I'm talking about hard work. Working together to, to make sure that that unity is there inside of marriage. But I like what it says. What it says, and to study. Now when I enter my study room in, in my office back there, I'll have my Bible, I'll have my iPad with uh, commentaries on it, and then I'll have my uh, actual commentaries in front of me. And if God gives me a word like endeavoring, well, I'm searching everywhere for, uh, for what that word means. If God gives me a passage of Scripture, like Psalms chapter 1, listen, I bet I read 10 commentaries this week because I want to know that I know that I know what God is trying to teach me in that Scripture. Because if I don't get it in my heart, I cannot preach to you and you get it in your heart. If it's not in my heart, it will not get in your heart. So tonight... This is in my heart tonight, and God has dealt with me all week. God has shown me that I've got some things that I need to repent of, that I need to endeavor to keep <coughs> the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that word study means that we um, are to study our spouses if we are to keep unity in our marriage. And I'll go as far as to say this. Study your church family. Study them. 
See if they're in the faith or not. See if they know the word or not. Because if you don't know the word, then when an argument comes up, somebody's going to shoot from the hip like a splatter gun, and it's going to hurt everybody. Listen, I always heard in old-timey preachers would always say, get up there behind that pulpit, son, and preach like a double-barrel shotgun. Listen, I understand the meaning behind that, but when you shoot like a double-barrel shotgun, it's going, it, it's going to hurt somebody. So what I try to do is I try to pinpoint that heart like a 30 6 And may the Word of God penetrate that heart deep into the center of it. That the Word of God will start saturating and bust open that heart and bring it to the cross. It ain't about me. It's all about Him. Amen. And I don't want to splatter it because, listen, a splatter gun uh, doesn't always kill. Listen, if the Word of God... Is going to kill that sin that's in your life, then the preacher needs to preach it like a 30 out 6 with crosshairs right on the sin. And he needs to hammer it home. I'm not going to say I did that this morning, but I believe the Lord did. Listen, there's a lot of things in this world that needs to be hammered in on. Amen. Abortion, it needs to be preached harder than, harder than ever before. There's a movement right now in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Abolitionist Group. And listen, if you ain't a part of it, you need to get involved. We need to be involved. This church needs to be involved in that. Listen, we ought to abolish abortion all through Oklahoma. Somebody in Tennessee needs to get it started. Somebody in Arkansas needs to get it started. Listen, Texas just passed a law about three weeks ago that they are an abortion-free state. They just abolished it. All 50 states need to. I don't care about Roe versus Wade. Listen, when God's people get in the Word of God and understand how wrong it is and how that it's murder and how hard that people need to preach on it, listen, somebody will do something about it. If we want to keep the unity of the Spirit, then friend, we will stand up for what's right and we will not back down from what's wrong. Chuck Smith said, I am not uh, to be cursing all the government officials, the FCC, and of all the, of the ministers that did not go along with me. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, I should be constantly seeking the unity of the Spirit within the body of Christ. Philippians 2, chapter 3, I mean chapter 2, verse 3. It says, let nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. My Lord, help me tonight. I got home Friday afternoon, and I said, Honey, you know how many times I read in the Word of God, to esteem each other better than yourself. It's all throughout there. Look it up. Study it. Go find that word esteem and see what the word means. See how the word is used in the word of God. I didn't have, I didn't have enough room to put it all in this sermon tonight. I'm going to have to stop here in just a few minutes. But, but listen. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I got another word for you. Lowliness. That word lowliness goes hand in hand with the word endeavoring. Be diligent to be lowly. The word lowliness, uh, if I can pronounce it, tapinofruzune, something to that effect. It means humiliation of mind, modesty, humbleness of mind, humility. Now, I want you to understand something. And I heard a preacher preach on it this morning. He was preaching on modest apparel. The word modesty does not mean to wear a dress. Okay? It doesn't mean how you dress. It means in how you conduct yourself. You ought to conduct yourself in a manner that is pleasing unto God. There's a lot of people that I'd rather see if they're wearing a short skirt or a short dress or a low-cut blouse. Friend, I'd much rather see them in a pair of pants and a long-sleeved T-shirt than I would in, in, in some... Listen, and the preacher was preaching this morning and he said... Uh, and he's talking to the ladies, and he said, listen, if you're wearing a dress to make yourself sexy and, and to have a sex appeal, then, friend, put on a pair of pants. You ought not dress that way and come to the house of God. Be modest. Be holy. Represent Christ well. But listen, friend, if there's a sinner that walks in here dressed ungodly, don't say a word to them. Do not say a word to them. I have seen it over and over and over in my lifetime being in the church. Somebody walk in ungodly and the next, I mean immediately after service, somebody walk up to him and say, you know you ought not dress like that to come to church. It ain't our job to tell them how to dress. It ain't our job. To, listen, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. That means even the unbelievers that walk in this church. Listen, third dressed ungodly, don't say a word to them. Please don't. Please love them. Please make them feel at home. Please welcome them. Because, listen, I'm praying every day of the week that the Holy Ghost convicting power of God will reside in this church. Because when an unbeliever gets in here, I want the Holy Ghost to deal with them. I don't want you to. I don't need a church member dealing with somebody. I need the Holy Ghost to. It ain't my job to come and tell you how to live. It's the Holy Ghost's job. I am to give you the Word of God and then you are to deal with the Word of God in the way that you see fit. Listen, if there's somebody walking here smells like a, a, a liquor store, please don't say anything to them. Please don't say anything to them. It ain't your place. If they come in here and they smell like marijuana, it ain't your place to say anything to them. If they come in here with another uh, same-sex Partner, it ain't your place to say anything to them. Please love them. Please make them feel welcome here. Please endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because I promise you, after very long sitting under my preaching, the Holy Ghost is going to let them know real quick that if they're living in sin, it's going to be wrong. Homosexuality is still sin. It's still wrong. It's still an abomination, according to Romans chapter 1. Being filled with wine, wearing his excess, is still wrong, according to my Bible. Amen? Being drunk, being drunken, according to my Bible, it's still wrong. But it ain't your place to tell somebody it is. 
It's the Holy Ghost job. It's God's job. And God will deal with them in His time. I know smoking marijuana is, is legal now. It don't make it right. I know it's an herb. It don't make it right. I also know it's a gateway. Still don't make it right. But it ain't your place to tell them that. It's your place to love them. It's your place to make them feel at home. It's your place to make them feel welcome. And it's the Holy Ghost's job to make them feel uncomfortable. He don't need your help. He don't, listen, God don't need our help. Well, I've hammered on that too long. Lowliness. Humbleness of mind. Humility. The greatest person. If you go to Philippians chapter 2, and I didn't put this in my notes. But if you read verses 5 through 8, it gives you the perfect and the most blessed example of how to be a lowly Christian. Because in verse 5, he said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being equal with God, thought it not robbery to be uh, equal with God, but humbled himself. And y'all know... The rest of it, I can't quote it all. But he said at the very end of verse number 8, he became obedient even unto the death of the cross. So you say, preacher, well, how am I to be lowly? How, how am I, and this is in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Well, how are we to be lowly? You endeavor to know Christ. Study Christ. Study the way that He lives. Study the way that He walks. Study His Word. Understand what the word humbleness means. It is not thinking of yourself less, but it's thinking of yourself... Uh, uh, it's not to think of yourself uh, as... How can I say this? <laughs> Don't think that you are not valuable, Okay? Because you all have value. You all have worth. But when all you think about is yourself, then there's a good inclination that you are not a lowly person. You're probably filled with pride and puffed up, haughty. But the word holiness means to think of yourself less and to think of others more. We are to... Uh, uh, invert, uh, uh, he said... Let each esteem others better than themselves. That's what the word lowliness means. To esteem each other better than ourselves. It works hand in hand in marriage too. Charles Ryrie explains that Paul encourages the readers to promote unity by, by godly living through a diversity of gifts to contribute to the common welfare of others. I'm not going to get to the grounds of unity tonight. Colossians 3 and 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Bond of peace 
and the bond of perfectness. So we are to have the bond of love because that's what this is saying. And above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness. So now we see the bond of peace, and now we see the bond of perfectness. They work hand in hand. And that is two areas that we can keep the unity of the Spirit. That is two ways that we can endeavor to keep the unity. Chuck Smith said, That man who truly understands what God has done is humbled by what God has done. If you truly understand the work of the cross and the free grace that God has given to us, it's not a merited gift, it's an unmerited gift. Then we will understand and we ought to be humbled by what God has done for us. The man who has had a true confrontation with God is humbled by that confrontation. Listen, Sunday night was a confrontation by God. In this very, behind this very pulpit, God met with me here and I pray that he met with everybody else. And you know what happened to me? I got in my study Monday and all I could do was weep. All I could do was weep because I was, I'm unworthy for God to, I'm unworthy of that. I'm undeserving of that. I don't listen, I'm nobody. I'm just a country boy from Tennessee. I, who am I? But right there at that altar, God met with me. Amen. God led me in the Spirit. And listen, I, I, wrote, I wrote in my journal Monday, and all I could do was cry, thinking about how good God has been and how good God was during that revival. Listen, I will never forget that revival, ever. I will never forget it. Mainly because I wrote it down, but... I will never forget. Listen, it was like the Holy Spirit, as I was writing in my journal, took my hand and made me remember every night of that revival because every night was special. Every night was special. Listen, had it not been for Thursday night, we couldn't have had a Sunday night. I mean, think about it. Sunday night, he said, examine your hearts. Know your hearts because God knows what's in your heart. And when men and women of God came and they sought their heart and they asked God to search them and try them and know their wicked ways, it led us to a holy Sunday night. And listen, we were standing on holy ground. But there ain't a one of us that ought to have left boasting about the encounter with God. We were to be humbled by that confrontation. Chuck Smith went on to say, Walk with all lowliness and meekness. There's quite a bit in the grounds of unity, so I'm not even going to start in on that in verse number uh, 4. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 again. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation Wherewith you're called. What is your vocation? I'm sorry. I, I want to explain for a walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. 
That word vocation is your responsibility. That vocation is your duty. If God has called you to preach, then you need to walk worthy in that calling. If God has called you to sing, then you need to walk worthy in that calling. If God has called you to be a Sunday school teacher, you need to walk worthy in that calling wherewith you're called. But also, how we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called is by walking in the Spirit. And listen, I, I know that it sounds hard to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. And let me say this, that if you're walking in the flesh, you will never accomplish the unity of the Spirit. That's why every morning and every afternoon at lunch and every evening, you need to crucify your flesh. As often as you think of it, crucify yourself. Think of yourself less and highly esteem each other better than yourselves. That's how we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. Walk in lowliness of mind and humbleness of speech. Verse number 2 says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing, working together, endeavoring, making an effort, long-suffering. What is that? Ain't you glad God's long-suffering? Man, I'm so glad for the long-suffering of God. Listen, we are to be long-suffering with each other. Verse number 3, and I'll in closing. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the grace of unity. The grace of unity. When we understand this grace that has been given to us, I believe that we, are, we can walk with all lowliness and meekness. And once we understand the grace of the unity that God has put within us, next week we can build on the grounds of unity. Okay? Stand with us tonight and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. If you need to pray, this altar is open tonight. If you need to repent, this altar is open tonight. If you need to just come and say thank you, Lord, this altar is open tonight. So many people misunderstand the altar. Listen, the, uh, the altar is for multiple reasons. All through the Old Testament, you can find altars of thanksgiving, altars of praise, altars of sacrifice, altars of repentance, so on and so forth. So tonight, if you feel, if God is leading you to this altar, you can come tonight. I pray that what we've talked about tonight has touched your heart in some way. I know it did me on Friday. It, it really, uh, when I started understanding how to keep the unity of the Spirit, it really is life-changing. That I wake up Saturday morning and perfectly endeavor to keep the unity no but I understand it better you know what every day from now on I'm going to strive I'm going to 
work hard. And I'm going to be prompt in endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in this church, in my marriage, and in our community.